So with that being said, we'll go ahead and get started for today. So Paige, thank you so much for joining us. We're really excited to have you on today. And I'm going to hand over the screen and the time to you. Oh, thank you. I'm so appreciative of being here, Megan. And I'm excited, of course, to talk uh, to your group today. Um, as you know, I've been with Royal Legal for ages. And uh, I, I just, I, I love all of you guys, you're all so helpful. Um, and I actually set up my entity structure, which is a DST, a Delaware Statutory Trust, through Royal Legal. Um, and, and when we talk about notes, especially when we talk about joint venturing with other people, uh, it, it, it's one of those situations where your entity structure is really going to help you to protect your assets. And so for me, um, when I started in note investing, and I'll give you guys a little bit of background for me um, here in just a moment. Uh, but when I started in notes, I wanted a vehicle where I could not only protect my, my JV partners, um, it affords protection for them, it affords protection for me uh, as an investor, and it also protects our borrowers. Um, so, you know, I'm really excited uh, to be working with the, uh, Royal Legal and using the DST as my main vehicle, not only now for notes, I've, I've branched out uh, into other avenues and I use that, that DST for that purpose. Um, so it, it really has been the perfect vehicle for me. And uh, I'm just so grateful to be here. So let me, um, I have right now, I have everybody up. So let me get out of the full screen here. One second. I know notes and I know real estate. I'm a bit tech challenged. So hold on one second. <laughs> and I see some familiar faces. Um, if you guys don't mind, if you would turn off your video, so that way I can share the screen, that would be great. I appreciate it. All right, great. Excellent. And like Megan said, um, if you have questions, because this might be a new um, presentation for you, you may not know about notes, be sure to write them down because I do want to answer them. Um, if I can't get to them today, then feel free to reach out to me. I'm, I'm always available. Uh, I am very busy. I will tell you that, but I'm always available for you. All right. So a little bit about me. Uh, I I'm known as the cash flow chick. I have been in real estate investing for about 25 years now. Um, I've done just about everything there is to do in real estate investing, with the exception of being becoming a realtor. I'm not. I've never been a realtor, uh, and and I started out. Real estate chose me. It, I did not choose real estate. Um, I was I was kind of thrown into the deep end of the pool, if you will, uh, without having any knowledge about real estate. Um, my my grandmother passed away. She had a very large estate, half of which was in California, half of which was in Arizona. And I went off to Arizona uh, to try and figure out uh, this real estate thing, right? Uh, we had 38 townhome units. We had some land and we owned a sewer treatment plant of all things. Uh, and the, the estate in and of itself was about $4 million in debt. Um, so I went off to Arizona and I realized that we had these 38 townhome units and that was going to be the main driver vehicle for us to, um, to go forth. Uh, and I had to get those up and going. We only had about 40% occupancy uh, and, and the, the, those that were vacant were very broken properties. Uh, so I had to kind of fix and flip or fix and hold before I knew what that was, um, before that was really a thing. Uh, you know, nowadays we all know what that is, but but back then it wasn't. Um, so 
fast forward, I, I did manage to surround myself with a lot of people that had the answers to the questions that I was asking. And uh, I, I was able to fix those properties, work with other people. And I, I, within 18 months, we were 100% occupied. I had rents raised. Um, and, and even with the rents raised, I realized that we were not going to be able to sustain profitability. So I went to my family um, and I said to my family, now keep in mind, everybody, I was young and fearless. I had very high risk tolerances um, and, and I, I just didn't know anything. Um, so I had to ask questions. So I want to encourage all of you, if you don't know something, ask questions. It's an amazing community, especially the note community. We're very collaborative and I'll talk about that in a moment. Um, anyway, so I asked a lot of questions. We got to some profitability. I realized we weren't going to be able to sustain profitability. So I said, all right, let's sell all of the, the sell the sewer treatment plant, let's sell the, the townhome units individually, and then let's capitalize on that those monies and build on the land. Well, my family had no desire to do that, so I ended up buying the corporation. Um, long story short, I, I started building on the land. We sold everything. Uh, I started building on the land, and I had hired a contractor, and I realized that he was going to bankrupt me before I even came out of the ground. So I fired him. And I started my own construction company. Again, I knew nothing about construction or owning a construction company. But again, I surrounded myself with people that, that had the answers. I found a gentleman that became my qualifying party uh, and I made him a shareholder in my corporation. My corporation was the one that held all the licenses just in case I needed to change out the, the qualifying party for all those licenses. We held all of our licenses um, with the exception of GM, uh, uh, HVAC and roofing because, and we only didn't get those because uh, the insurance was just entirely too high. So off we went, started to not only build my project, but other people's project. We became wildly successful. We grew to 36 employees within three years. I was running payroll at $25,000 a week per project. Um, and, and I'll tell you, I was working myself into an early grave. Um, the money was great, but the stress of all of that was horrific. Um, I was working 18 hours a day, seven days a week. I was in Arizona. I was away from my family in California, my friends in California, my entire support base. And, um, you know, but again, I was making money hand over fist. This was, you know, this was early 2000s leading up to 2005, 2006. When 2007 started to come around, I saw that the crash was going to happen. And I thought to myself, you know what, Paige, this isn't going to affect you because you're only leveraged about 10%. And I, I na naively thought that only, you know, being leveraged 10% was going to save me from the crash. Well, boy, was I wrong. I'll, I'll tell you, the crash landed right on my head. And the reason for that is because the people that owed me money couldn't pay me. They all filed bankruptcy. And when you're in big construction, everybody, you foot the bill for about 90 to 120 days. So I had all those carrying costs, not only of payroll, but materials, et cetera, you know, for 120 days. And the people that owed me money couldn't pay me. So I had a decision to make. I could also, I owed people some money as well. Um, and I had investors and I decided, okay, 
I'm not going to go the bankruptcy route, even though I could have. I thought, no, I'm not going to do that. I was very blessed in that I had a lot of liquidity. I had a lot of assets. So I fire sold all of my assets, everything I owned. I paid, it took me about three years. I paid everybody off that I owed money to. And at the end of the day, I walked out of Arizona having lost $20 million. Now, I do not regret that decision at all. Um, and I don't mean to be cavalier about losing $20 million. That's a great deal of money. The fact is, is that it taught me who I am as an investor. It taught me who I am in working with my JV partners. It taught me how I treat money and it taught me my risk tolerances. So I actually call that little lesson a blessing in disguise, right? It's a very difficult learning experience, but I learned. So obviously I went away from real estate for a little bit, um, but I, it, it's in my heart, it's in my soul. So I, I came back, I came back to California, I kind of licked my wounds a little bit, and then I got back into it because it's just a part of who I am. And I thought, I'm going to be smarter about it this time. So uh, I had to start out like everybody else, right? I had to rebuild up that capital. Um, I had to, I started out wholesaling, bird dogging, fixing and flipping. And all the while, you know, the, the, the stress of the fixing and flipping was kind of having, sending me flashbacks, right? Um, the other blessing, by the way, is that it, it brought me home and out of that constant stress because I think I literally would have been in an early grave, right? So I thought, no, I'm going to work smarter, not harder. I educated myself. And when I came back in, I heard about this thing called notes. And I thought, huh, what is notes? That sounds really interesting to me. So while I was building up my capital, I was educating myself in the note space. And I'll tell you, angels sang for me. When I really started to understand what notes could do for me, I just didn't look back. Um, it literally angels sang. And I think you'll understand as we go through this presentation, and I'm hoping to keep it short, um, I think you'll understand as we go through how this might be an, a great investment vehicle for you, because not only can we generate chunks of cash, if you need chunks of cash, but it also is an opportunity to create streams of monthly cash flow for you in the same vehicle. Um, further, I am very risk averse. When I started out you know, going to Arizona for the first time, knowing nothing about real estate, I was younger and I was really bold. I was pretty fierce, right? I had nothing to lose. Now I'm older and I'm very, very risk averse. So I have set up myself in terms of my vehicle that I'm using, my entity structure and my um, asset protection. Again, Royal Legal, I'm, I'm so grateful to them because they and their team have treated me so well and taken such good care of me um, and afforded me the opportunity to, to mitigate my risk just in entity structure alone. Um, and then the notes filled in the rest in terms of, of risk mitigation. So let's get into it a little bit. Let me share my screen. All right, so um, what are notes? Uh, notes is basically just a promise to pay everybody. Uh, it, it, it is, the borrower is borrowing money 
uh, to pay for something. And there are a variety of different types of notes. I'm going to get into that in a moment. The one thing that you want to know about note investing, um, and there are many, there are components that, that are wrapped into what's called a note, okay? Um, but for the most part, understand that notes are basically just a promise to pay. It's a debt instrument, okay? And yes, you really become someone's bank. So when you invest in notes, you literally step into the shoes of becoming your borrower's bank. So just call me Mrs. Chase, okay? Um, there are different types of notes. Let me get this. There we go. There are different types of notes that you can buy. You can buy notes on real estate. They're also known as deeds of trust or trust deeds, uh, mortgages. We'll get into the difference in a moment about those. Uh, but there are different types of notes, real estate notes. You can buy car loans. You can buy credit card debt. You can buy notes on judgments. Uh, there are secured notes, right? There are unsecured notes. There are performing notes, which just basically means that the borrower is paying on a monthly regular basis. There are non-performing notes, right? Non-performing notes are when the borrower has stopped paying on their mortgage or their car payment, et cetera. Now I invest in first position, and by the way, there's first and second position, third and fourth position in notes as well. I invest in first position, which means I'm the first to get paid. Um, anybody else might have a mortgage a second behind me. I like to, because of what happened to me in the crash, I like to be in the first position. I like to be in control of the transaction and I like to be behold, not, not have to be beholden to anybody else for the outcome of my profitability, all right? So I buy first position, non-performing notes based on real estate. Now, my primary focus is on residential real estate, but there's also commercial real estate. Uh, you kind of have to work your way up to multifamily, but it is available industrial notes. Um, so there's many different types of notes that you can buy in real estate. They don't have to be residential, but I started out and my primary focus was in first position, non-performing notes secured by residential real estate. Okay. The house is the security for my invested dollars. Understand everybody, we're not buying houses. We're buying the debt that is secured by the house. That's what a note is, okay? That's what investing in notes is. So now I told you that I was risk averse, right? So it seems counterintuitive. Why on earth would I buy something that's non-performing, meaning the borrower has stopped paying? Sometimes for years, well, I can tell you that I'm, I'm a little crazy like a fox, right? The reason that I buy non-performing notes is because I get a substantial discount on the purchase price and I mitigate my risk by building in equity of the into the deal right up front. We all know as real estate investors, we actually make our money when we buy and we collect our money when we sell. So if I'm able to buy a non-performing note at a discount, a very big discount, then I'm able to mitigate that risk because I build in a cushion of equity. And I'll explain that in just a few minutes. All right. 
Now, any of you that have been investing in real estate for any length of time over the last few years, especially, has known that the real estate market pretty much across the country has gone insane. They, there's so much competition. If you're fixing and flipping, trying to buy these broken houses, et cetera, um, it, the competition is insanely crazy right now. So what about note investing? Is there competition in note investing? And the answer, of course, is yes. There's competition in just about anything. But I will tell you, I call it the gentler form of real estate investing because this space is much more collaborative than it is competitive. Um, note investors, asset managers, people that are selling notes, um, the, they're very helpful and, the, and we really work together to get deals done. So yes, there is competition. It's not a widely known um, medium to invest in real estate. And as such, um, there's less competition. Not to mention the fact that you're gonna see in just a moment, I'm gonna show you some of the numbers, especially what happened with COVID and the amount of product that is out there, okay? And that especially that is coming. And you'll understand that in just a moment. So yes, there is competition, but I will tell you that this space is way more collaborative. It's a much gentler form of real estate investing. And the competition is not crazy like people bidding $100,000 over asking for broken houses based on, you know, and, and you're speculating that you can make X amount of dollars if you fix the house and the market holds, okay? So how do you find deals? That's, you know, everybody looks for money and deals, deals and money. Those are the two things, doesn't matter what you're investing in. Those are the two things that everybody looks for when you're an investor. I want to let you know that I spend zero dollars, no money at all, marketing for my deals. I do not cold call. I do not knock on doors. I do not send out yellow letters. I don't post bandit signs. I don't do any of that stuff. How I find deals is I network with people. I go to conferences. That's where I spend my money, traveling to conferences, right? So I go to conferences and I network with those people that are not only sellers, but buyers of notes. And I strike up a, a relationship, right? Um, I let them know what I'm doing. I buy first position non-performing notes on residential real estate. Um, so it's securing collateral values of 50 to $250,000. And I don't buy in certain states. I'll tell you about that in a moment as well. It's very easy. Sellers in this market want to sell. They are not emotionally attached to houses. There's no trying to finagle. There's no trying to um, help people to understand that, that they're in over their head. Our sellers, they're just, they're, they, they have a product to sell. They're not emotionally attached and they want to connect with people who buy, right? So literally I establish these relationships and my deals come directly to my inbox for free. It's, they come, they arrive on what's called a tape, which is basically just an Excel spreadsheet that lists all the assets for sale and a bunch of information that corresponds with those assets. And then we do our due diligence, right? But I spend no money at all marketing for deals and they come directly to my inbox. Now, one of the other things that was very important to me because I was stuck in Arizona when I was, you know, in construction, I was stuck there. I was away from my family and friends. This business, the note business, you literally can do this business anywhere in the world. You can be sitting on a beach, 
Um, as long as you've got a phone and an internet connection, you can do this business. So I loved that freedom that Notes offers me that I can literally do this anywhere in the world as long as I have a, an internet connection um, and my computer, right, my laptop. All right, so I, I promised you that I would um, show you what happened in terms of notes uh, and, and, and distressed debt. It's also re referred to sometimes as distressed debt um, in, during COVID times. Now, I will tell you everybody, life happens to people every day, every single day. There's death, divorce, downsizing, medical issues. Um, stuff just happens. Our borrowers aren't necessarily bad people. They've just had life happen to them. And I think over the last two years, a lot of us have realized, you know, really what can happen to all of us. It's not something, it doesn't make us bad people. It just makes us human, right? Um, so in the note space, don't have FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. Don't have FOMO because life is going to happen every day. Now, that being said, those of us that have been in this industry and in, in this niche for a long time know, because we've seen the market trends, what is coming. If you've ever sat on the sidelines and thought, wow, I wish I had capitalized, I wish I had money in 2008 where I could scoop up a bunch of those houses that were distressed. We're kind of going into a season right now, it's just now starting, where we're going to have kind of that colossal amount of product coming in. So there is major opportunity that is happening. So you're actually in a good place listening to this, to this uh, presentation today. All right. So in November of 2019, remember that was just before COVID hit us. Now, again, I want to reiterate, these numbers are just based on my niche, single family residences, one to four, first position lien. So we're not talking about second position, HELOC, land, commercial, none of that. This is just residential first position liens. All right. In November of 2019, there was 57.46 billion with a B dollars on the books of bad debt, meaning distressed mortgages. Okay. Of that, you can see that 21 plus 17, what is that? $38 billion and change. 38 of that 57 was delinquent over 90 days and above, okay? So when you see non-accrual, non-accrual is at least 90 days plus past due. Sometimes it's even as, as much as five or six years. And believe me when I tell you, I still have that debt coming. I still see those assets coming across my desk that people haven't paid for years and years and years, all right? Now, as of um, September 2020 and December 2020, right, that was the year that COVID hit, we're looking at $75.5 billion, everybody. In, a, in, in less than a year, we had an increase of $18 billion. That is opportunity for us. It's almost a 24% increase in less than a year. That's unprecedented. That's, that surpasses numbers of even 2008, everybody. I want you to know that. Now, let's fast forward to 2021, right? So 2021, pretty much all of 2021 reflected about the same numbers. And I wanna show you these numbers. So we were at $62 billion um, throughout 2021. The key to know is that not, you know, there were not 
a, a bunch of people that came in, $13 billion worth of people that came in and decided to pay their mortgage. No, no. This is when the federal government stepped in, banks put in place, they were incentivized to put in, in place these forbearance agreements and moratoriums, right? Which, which banks were then taking that bad debt that the, the delinquencies and putting it on the back end or making it due a short time later, right? Those numbers, that those forbearance agreements and, and a lot of the moratoriums stopped in September of 2021. And now we are starting to see, we had a huge uptick in foreclosure filings. For you guys, everybody, and for me, for note investors, that spells tremendous opportunity, tremendous opportunity, okay? So some of the headlines here, you can see that the, the foreclosure rose for the second month in a row, 27% increase, right? Um, moratoriums being canceled and, and post foreclosure um, and foreclosures being started, et cetera, et cetera. Um, here's another one, Michigan, right? Michigan up 65% in Q4 of, of foreclosure filings. Massive opportunity. Now, if any of you know about Oak Tree Capital, Oak Tree Capital is one of the largest hedge funds ever. It's run by a gentleman uh, named Howard Marks. Oak Tree Capital at the beginning of 2020 when COVID hit, um, and they in, they've got $19 billion under management. That's a huge number. They decided to open a separate fund raising $15 billion, excuse me, $15 billion to invest in nothing but distressed mortgages, meaning notes, right? That was the specific focus of this fund. They're invested, the other funds are invested in anything, everything else. And I'll tell you, they funded that fund, right? Now, we are not going to compete with people like that, everybody. They're too big. However, we buy from people that buy from them, okay? And that means great discounts for us. You're going to understand that in just a moment. So let's talk about some exit strategies. One thing I love about note investing is that we have 23 different exit strategies available to us. Um, we basically only use four on an everyday basis, all right? Um, and I will get to those four in a moment. But I told you I was going to give you some numbers to show you how I mitigate risk at the, at the beginning. So let's say a note, um, we deal with, with unpaid principal balance, right? Principal is, unpaid principal balance is the base amount of the loan. That does not include any, any fees that may have been paid by you as the lender that are recoverable expenses, meaning that the borrower has to pay that back to you. It becomes part of your legal collectible balance. Um, that does not include default interest, none of that stuff. No late fees. It just means the principal amount of, of the balance of the loan. All right, so let's call it $100,000 for easy numbers today. Your legal collectible balance starts incorporating fees that you've paid on behalf of the borrower, right? Sometimes the lender to protect the asset has to pay delinquent taxes. You don't have to, but you choose to, to save the property because the property is your securing collateral. So, and, but that's a recoverable expense. It becomes part of what is due to you, okay? So the legal collectible balance, including default interest, et cetera, let's call that $120,000. So you're, did somebody have a question? I'm sorry, Megan? Sorry. Okay. No, you're good. I think it was just a little feedback. Okay. Awesome. 
So the, the full amount of money that is owed to you is $120,000. However, the securing collateral, the house, is not worth $120,000. It's only worth $80,000. So this borrower is $40,000 in debt, right? They're underwater $40,000, right? I don't buy based on the UPB, the unpaid principal balance. I don't buy based on the legal collectible balance. I buy at a discounted rate on the securing collateral, meaning the, the current market value of the house. So I'm going to discount that $80,000, even though I'm owed 120, okay? So let, for easy numbers, um, generally speaking, notes and note investing is anywhere between, I will pay anywhere between these days, between 55 and 62 cents on the dollar. That's where we are right now. But that number is going to come down. I know it's going to come down because there's a lot more product coming to the market, right? When I started note investing, I was generally anywhere between 38 cents and 48, 50 cents at the top end for highly desirable assets, right? But for, for this example, because it's easy math, we're going to use a straight 50%. So let's say we're going to use 50%. We're going to buy this note at 50% of current market value of the securing collateral. So we're going to spend $40,000 for this note. We're owed 120. The property is only worth 80, but we're going to buy it for 40. Okay. Now our borrowers have no idea how much we spend for the note. All they know is they owe us $120,000. Okay. Now, like fixing and flipping houses, we fix and flip paper. So we actually have some rehab costs, right? We have some workout costs. For easy math, we're going to use $5,000 per 12 months. All right. Generally speaking, in non-judicial foreclosure states, it's about $5,500. For judicial foreclosure states these days, it's about $8,500. Okay. But for this example, I just want to show you easy math. So we're into this note right now for $45,000. We're owed $120. Okay. We're going to base all of our numbers, however, off the 80, because we expect that if worse comes to worse, we have to take this property back as an REO through a foreclosure. I'm going to talk about that in a moment. Then we are going to be able to, to only capitalize on the $80,000. Anything above the $80,000 is what I call the cherry on top of the sundae, right? That's the gravy. But we're going to base all of our numbers on the securing collateral right now. So $80,000, we're building in a $35,000 um, equity cushion at the get-go, right? So using those numbers, our four main exit strategies, um, I typically, at, foreclosure is my least favorite. Uh, it, is, it is not something that I, I don't, it's not fun uh, foreclosing on families and kicking people out of their homes. So foreclosure is always my last resort. There's judicial, 50% of the country is judicial foreclosure state, meaning you have to go to court to ask the court's permission to foreclose on the property and the sheriff will conduct that sale. Then there's non-judicial foreclosure states, which is the other 50% of the country. Those uh, will are conducted by a trustee on your behalf, right? Remember, I'm Mrs. Chase. Judicial foreclosure states, depending upon the state, can take anywhere from eight to five, eight months to five years. Okay. But in the, I don't invest in New York or New Jersey because, and New Jersey is getting better, but 
I don't invest in New York specifically because it's four to five years for a foreclosure to happen there. That's not velocity of money, right? I want my money moving and shaking and bringing home friends. So I don't buy in New York, okay? Um, Non-judicial foreclosure, for the most part in the, the judicial states that I invest in are anywhere between eight and 16 months for a foreclosure. That's a sweet spot for me. That's okay for me. I'm, I'm okay with that. Non-judicial foreclosure states obviously are much more preferred because it generally only takes six or seven months for a foreclosure to happen, okay? So let's think about that in terms of the numbers. In a non-judicial foreclosure state, six months later, you're into this note for $45,000. let us say the, the foreclosure happens in a non-judicial foreclosure state, and, and a foreclosure is always an auction, by the way, everybody. Um, and the auction, you get the first bid and only the first bid, all right? So you set, you are in control, you set the minimum bid. Let's say you sell it to a third party for $80,000. Let's say somebody buys that, that, um, that property because you're auctioning off the property to pay the loan, right? You're, somebody buys the property for $80,000. In six months, you've now made $35,000 in profit, right? Keep that in mind, six months. So that's a return on transaction that are triple digits, that's through the roof. If you do that again, think, think about that using that same capital twice in one year, right? If let's say if in six months you could only sell it for 70,000 at the foreclosure auction, who would be happy with a $25,000 return on a $45,000 investment in, in six months or less, right? Me I, and hopefully you. All right, so short sale, all of us know what short sales are, right? And, and if any of you were investing in to, between 2008 and 2012, you knew that short sales could take a bank anywhere between, uh, they were very rarely was it fast. I've, I've known uh, about short sales that lasted 18 months, that took 18 months to get approved. If I am conducting a short sale, which means I agree to accept less money than the $120,000 that I'm owed, I can make that decision pretty quick, right? I am the bank. Keep that in mind. It's good to be the bank. I am in control of every single one of these exit strategies, all right? Okay, so let's say, and oftentimes people are willing to pay more than the um, current market value of the property, especially in a short sale. Sometimes neighbors wanna buy the house for a family member, a children, right? Have them close. So they're willing to pay more. So now you were only expecting 80,000, but you might actually be able to sell it for $90,000 in a short sale to a neighbor. Now you've literally doubled your money. How fast can a short sale um, happen? Generally, they happen anywhere between three and six months. So you can double your money literally in three to six months. Who's starting to have angels sing for them, right? Deed in lieu of foreclosure. Deed in lieu of foreclosure is when the borrower says, you know what, Mrs. Chase, I just don't want, I don't want this house. I don't want a foreclosure on my, on my um, record, on my credit. I need to get out of this house and I know I'm underwater. Uh, what can I do? We can offer them a deed in lieu of foreclosure, which means that they are going to, to give us the house, they'll sign the deed over to us as payment in full for their loan, right? 
Deed in lieu of foreclosure generally takes about three to six months to negotiate from the time that you buy the note to the time that you close it out. Um, generally, it's more toward the three-month mark, but sometimes it takes us a little bit to get in touch with our borrowers. Keep in mind, they've been pretty beat up, right? Um, but generally, three to six months in a deed in lieu, right? So now we've got a property. Now, there are some pitfalls that I don't have time to talk about today in terms of deed in lieu of foreclosure, things you need to look out for in your due diligence. Um, but, but for the most part, it's an amazing exit strategy that, that we often use. Now we've got a house that we can do anything with, right? We, we can sell it as an REO, right, for $80,000. We can fix and flip it ourselves. Imagine the possibilities there. We can fix and hold it. So if you're a buy and hold investor, you can fix it up, put a renter in there, turn it into short-term rental. You could sell it to a fix and flipper and carry the paper. Now you're earning double income on the exact same asset, right? The, 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 their possibilities are endless. And then my favorite is the re-performing situation. So in a re-performing situation, we actually work with our borrowers to stay in the home and give them a second chance. Generally, this is a little longer term strategy. You're generally in this note between six and 12 months. We could forgive some debt. We don't have to, but we could to incentivize our borrower, right? So work with us and we'll forgive $20,000 worth of debt. You can ask for a chunk of cash as a good faith deposit. And believe me when I tell you, when a borrower thinks that they're going to be able to save their family home and you're willing to forgive $20,000 or more that you're never going to see anyway, they will figure out a way to come up with, with a chunk of, of cash as a good faith deposit. They will. So you can create that chunk of cash and streams of monthly cash flow. You can cash flow for a year and then turn around and sell it to a performing note buyer. Generally, you're going to be able to sell it for very close to what the UPB, the unpaid principal balance is, um, maybe at a slight discount, maybe a 10% discount, um, sometimes a little more depending upon the asset, but, but sell it and, and recapture your capital. So now you've taken something that you've put in 45,000, right? You're going to sell it for, let's call it $90,000, but you've also cash flowed for uh, 12 months as well and it generated a chunk of cash in the beginning, a good faith deposit, right? So the, the opportunities for note investors and becoming the bank really puts you in the catbird seat, right? You are in control of all of these transactions and you have the opportunity to not only create your own wealth, but help people while you're doing it, okay? So how important is due diligence? Oh my gosh, it is paramount. Um, due diligence in the note space is, is very um, intensive in the beginning of the note. That's the other thing that I love about this space is that when I buy a note, the bulk of my time is spent in the beginning before I buy it in my due diligence. Once I buy the note, I then hand it off to my loss mitigation and my servicing teams, and I just manage one manager, right? So in a fix and flip situation, the bulk of your time and energy is spent at, after you buy the house, right? And then you have to deal with the minutiae of the contractors and, and, and um, inspectors, et cetera. Not so in the note space. In the note space, you do a lot of due diligence. There are several stages I don't have time to talk about, um, but there's several stages of due diligence. And then you hand it off to your teams and you manage one manager and that's it, 
So good due diligence. Um, and, and I talk about this extensively at the workshop, but, but trust, but verify, right? The, I told you on a tape that you're going to get a bunch of information from the bank. We're going to trust that information, but we're going to verify that information. If it seems too good to be true, you guys, normally it is, okay? Good due diligence, though, will give you virtually risk-free note investing. I like to say there's no such thing as bad notes, but there is such a thing as buying notes badly. All right, so I know we're super late on time, so I'm only going to give you a couple little case studies here, and I'm going to run through them very quickly. Hopefully. <laughs> All right, so these are actual notes that are in that have been in my portfolio, um, and some of these I have since sold. But this one is a duplex in Arizona, Casa Grande, Arizona. We knew that it was occupied, but we didn't, and we knew it was tenants. We knew that our owner, did, our borrower, did not occupy this property. The current market value of this property was between one hundred and twenty and one hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars. Okay, we bought this note plus our workout costs. Uh, in late 2018 for $64,500. Again, the property was occupied by unknown persons. We ended up having to foreclose on this note and it came back to us as an REO property, okay? What we did, our loss mitigation team recommended that we start the eviction process for our tenants because now there are tenants. We said, no, we don't wanna do that. We ended up sending out a door knocker to talk to the tenants, found out they'd been there. There were two families had been there for a long time. And we got the name of the property management company. We contacted the property management company. We showed them that we had the foreclosure deed. They had been holding on to a couple months worth of rent, right? Because they knew of the foreclosure, but they didn't know where to send it. So they held on to that, to that money. So we ab were able to collect that month or a couple months worth of cash flow, right? And we told the property manager that we wanted to sell this asset. Did she know any investors? Sure enough, she knew an investor. 21 days later, we sold this property to an investor, a buy and hold investor, for $120,000 in cash, right? 21 days later. Again, Arizona is a non-judicial foreclosure state. This, this whole process took about six months. After the closing costs, uh, we had a, a net profit of $54,500 which is approximately a 54% return on transaction. That's because it's a, an ROI is typically a 12 month basis. This was about six months. Our JV partner earned 27%. Everybody was happy, right? Here's another one. This one was a Richmond, Virginia, old Victorian. Don't fall in love with the houses, by the way. I'm, I'm a reformed rehabber. I call myself a reformed rehabber. And old Victorian homes, I love. I, I can't help it. It just happens, right? So this was 100 years old. Some rehab had been done to, some updating had been done to it, right? This property was, the, was as it sat, worth $125,000. Because I'm a reformed rehabber, I wanted to see what after repair value, if we fixed it, if we ended up with it and fixed it, what the ARV would be. It ended up being about $225,000, all right? All in for this note was $54,200. The borrower was deceased and the heirs didn't want the property, but they would not give us a deed in lieu of foreclosure, which they actually did us a favor. Um, the area was in the process of gentrification. The, there was a rehab going up right across the street, okay? But it had been rough in the past. 
Um, next door and down the rest of the street, including this property, was zoned R3. That means it's multifamily. That means this house could have been torn down and an apartment building put up, right? Squatters had been in the house. They had done some minor damage, but it wasn't too bad. Uh, we took it to a foreclosure auction, right? Now, we were owed over $200,000 on this house. That's what the borrower owed us. Remember, I told you, as it sat, it was only worth one twenty-five. Okay, so we decided to start our opening bid a little higher, but at low enough to create a bidding war, which is exactly what would ha happen. We set the opening bid at 116,000 and change. We had a bidding war. Sure enough, it sold at foreclosure auction for $124,000 and change. Um, Virginia also is a non-judicial foreclosure state. This took, I think, five or six, five months for this one. Um, our net profit was $70,000, which is 129% return on transaction, you guys. 129, we more than doubled our money. Our JV partner's portion was 65%. Now, again, I kept up with this property. The top uh, picture is from our realtor. The bottom picture is from Zillow. I screenshotted Zillow because the person that bought it at foreclosure auction rehabbed it. And sure enough, they sold the house for $230,000. So if you're a fix and flipper, imagine what you could do with the power of note investing. Now, I would hope you would target vacant properties so you're not kicking people out of their homes, but the profit potential is unbelievable here, okay? Last one, you guys, my favorite exit strategy. This one is in Richmond, Kentucky. I bought this note. The last paid to date was April of 2012. These people literally were squatting in their own home for years, Okay, we bought it for $49,252. It had been owner occupied and we discovered this through due diligence since 1998. The legal collectible balance was $95,000 and their original interest rate was 10.99% off the charts, right? The husband in the middle of all this had a medical condition, couldn't work for three years, but since got back on track, he got healthy and got back to work. But they were so behind, they just didn't know what to do. They were just waiting to be foreclosed on, right? We, they contacted them uh, through a lost MIT team. They said they wanted to stay in the home. We knew that we were going to be able to get them to stay. We put a trial payment plan in place, right? We don't ever go to a loan modification initially. We start with trial payment plan for a period of time so the borrower can prove themselves. They gave us a reinstatement like good faith deposit of $1,000. They had six months of every time on time um, uh, P&I payments, uh, their monthly mortgage payment, plus they paid our loss mitigation success fee. So they were actually paying $100 a month over what their normal monthly payment was going to be. So we cash flowed at $708 for six months. So $4,248 in cash flow on top of the $1,000 reinstatement fee. We ended up taking some of the arrearage, rolling it into a new loan. So we now refied the loan internally, which sets the clock, right? Resets the clock. We discounted it a little bit from what they owed us. We gave them a little bit of equity. We set the loan at $87,500 at 8% for 40 years to make their payment manageable. If you add all of that out up, that cash on cash return for the first year was 25.5%. Now I will tell you of that payment, their, their normal payment was $608.40, okay? 
of that $608.40, because we reset the clock, $580 of $608 was interest. You guys, that's how we make our money. Interest is our profit, right? So for the first 24 months, we were earning $580 a month in pure profit, in interest. And the borrower gets to keep their house. So we created win-win situations, all right? So hopefully I got through that quickly enough to answer your questions. I did, um, as Megan said, I wanna talk about the workshop. I am an active note investor, everybody. I want you to know my workshop is coming up in June. It's June 10th through the 12th of this year. It is going to be virtual. Um, I, I know a lot of people are getting together. Honestly, I, I, it's been, either way, it's virtual, <laughs> right? So we're gonna do it Zoom. It's three full days, jam-packed with, and I teach you everything you need to know to become a note investor, all right? Now, normally, I do two workshops a year, normally. This year, I don't have time, everybody. I, I hate to say it, I just, I don't have time because of, especially with what's coming. So I'm only doing one workshop this year, only one, and it's in June, right? I'm also limiting it to 50 people because with note investing, especially the way I teach it, there's lots of questions and I want to make sure that I answer all of your questions. Okay. There's, it's packed full of networking and, and a lot of fun as well. We do, even if it's virtual, we all know that we can now network together. Right. And um, it is live though, even though it's virtual, it's live. So we do have a lot of fun. It is very intense in terms of the information I give you. If I'm going to teach you how to fish, I'm going to give you all of the tools. I don't hold every, anything back. I also give you my team. So I'm going to tell you and introduce you. Here's my loss mitigation team. Here you go. Here's my servicing team. Here you go. Okay. All right. Now, normally it's $697 for the three days, but because I love Scott and his people, I'm going to give you a hundred dollar discount. Okay. So $597 for the three days. Here's where you go to register. Okay. Cashflowchick.com forward slash friend to register and secure your spot. I will also give you a bonus. Normally I charge for the recordings, but I'm going to give you the recordings of all three days for free. Okay. So cashflowchick.com forward slash friend to register for the workshop. There's only one this year. And, and I don't even know what's going to happen next year, because as I said, the opportunities, you know, there's only so much time in the day and I want to be able to do right by you guys as well. Okay. If you're not quite ready, not quite sure, and you just want a little more information, here's where you go to get some free information from me, listen to some podcasts I've done, et cetera. Um, cashflowchick.com forward slash free or forward slash info. And that's some free stuff if you're on the fence. And then here's my contact information. If you want to send me an email, send me an email to info at cashflowchick.com. You can find me on Instagram at the cashflowchick. Um, I'm on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, all that fun stuff, you know, just like everybody else. Uh, if you go to cashflowchick.com, you can book a 30-minute free consultation with me. I'd be happy to talk to you and answer any questions that I can't get to today. So thank you, everybody, for your time. I appreciate you bearing with me. I know I ran over a little bit. Um, so, Megan, I'm going to stop sharing and give it back to you.